Hi, and welcome to Perspectives on Perseverance with Dr. Mark Ballard, President of Northeastern Baptist College in Bennington, Vermont. At NEBC, we are committed to developing the mind of a scholar, the heart of a shepherd, and the perseverance of a soldier. This podcast seeks to provide biblical, historical, and contemporary perspectives on perseverance that will help you persevere in your walk with the Lord and in your service to Him, to His people, and His creation. This is Season 2, Episode 23. I'm your host, Joe Ferguson, and today we are beginning a new series with President Ballard, and President Ballard is going to introduce that series to us. And just so you guys know, I I want to tell you how much fun we have on this podcast. Uh, Right now, with us being spread out across the country, um, we each are recording our section of the podcast from three different laptops, and then Tripper... Uh, is taking those recordings and compiling them together, perfectly fitting them together uh, so that they sound good for your ears. But in the midst of that, President Ballard being the prankster that he is, is trying to throw Joe off because he can talk all he wants uh, during my introduction and during my uh, segments. And so we just are having a grand old time uh, trying to throw each other off as we talk. Um, But hopefully President Ballard will uh, be less of a prankster as we get to the word today. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty funny, Joe. Actually, uh, I'm really proud of you. I did not think that uh, you could actually do that while I sing Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) We we need, Tripper, you need to uh, include that uh, in the the recording so that they can hear President Ballard singing. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't need to do that. (laughs) uh, We can can let them just kind of dream that part uh, by themselves. You but, mean nightmare uh, that part but, by but, themselves. But you, you, did, you did very well. So it must be a beautiful day uh, in the neighborhood. But uh, anyway, uh, it, is, uh, it is fun, and it's good to have fun in, in life, and particularly in these days in which we live, to uh, find a little humor along the way. In fact, um, uh, that has been one of my, uh, my tools for persevering in life. Uh, when things are going difficult, uh, one of my tools is to is to make jokes and to laugh and to find the humor uh, in difficult circumstances. And uh, so it's, it's always fun to do, and uh, it's always helpful as well. Uh, but today what we're going to do is we are going to talk about, uh, start talking about another thing that actually can help you persevere. It's another tool that, uh, that I use, and uh, I use it uh, often. Uh, I've used it for for very many years, quite frankly, and uh, actually, Joe, in all seriousness, through some of the toughest moments in my life, through some of the toughest days in my life, uh, this tool that we're going to be talking about uh, these next uh, three times, uh, plus we'll have a uh, a lion's den in there, so three of the next four um, uh, podcasts that we do, we're going to be talking about this tool. Uh, and it is, it is probably my number one go-to tool uh, when it comes to uh, persevering in, in times of difficulty. And so, uh, so it really goes back for me to uh, really my teenagers and some, some difficulties and trials that I faced as a teen and coming to grips uh, with just the reality of, um, of this truth that we're going to be talking about. And that's this. That yeah, Jesus- President Ballard, actually, I, w- I want to interrupt you just for one second. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have done this podcast now for uh, almost, a, I think, almost a complete year uh, worth of recordings. We've done it for two seasons. Um, but, you know, I think it's always good to go back real quick. And can you just define uh, perseverance from your perspective? Um, just so that we, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Um, but, but to, to remind our listeners what me, what we mean when we say perseverance. Oh, well, yeah. Just throw off, uh, just throw off my whole thought train there. Uh, uh, and, uh, I know, I know as you get older, your thoughts become, you know, slower and a little harder to, <laughs> to reorient. The, the train tracks don't switch as quick anymore, but uh, I think this is an important uh, one. Uh, so, so, uh, you keep talking like that. You may learn about perseverance with a job, uh, but, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, actually, uh, absolutely, Joe, perseverance, uh, really, uh, if you want to just define it in everyday terms, you're hanging in there, uh, quite frankly, but really mm-hmm. what it means is that no matter what is going on around you, you keep your focus, you keep your focus on God. You keep your focus on God's call in your life. Uh, you keep moving forward uh, no matter what, no matter the trials, no matter the difficulties. Um, you just you keep going. And, and quite frankly, Joe, I've learned that we can, uh, we can do a whole lot more than we think we can. We can persevere a whole lot more than mm-hmm. we think we can. Uh, but, um, but really putting the tools into your life that will help you do that when things seem to be going wrong. Because often, Joe, you know, we all have little setbacks every day of some kind. But uh, very often when, when we're talking about uh, deep things that really threaten to derail our, our walk with the Lord, really threaten to derail our service to the Lord and to others, uh, very often they don't just come with one thing. It's very often one thing after another. We just keep getting hit, and um, it's in those times that we, that we persevere. But it's really about keeping our right. focus on on God and on our service to God. Right. And so and so, if I were to, I just want to condense that down for myself, and I, and I think uh, you would agree with this statement. So, in perspectives on perseverance, that this podcast, we are seeking uh, through the lessons that you're teaching, through looking at the life of Elijah, looking at the life of those who persevered in our first season, uh, to offer fuel for perseverance. So so we're inviting our listeners to consider truth that will help them continue on in the midst of trials. Yeah, absolutely. And and really uh, really what it is is we're we're just encouraging them uh, is mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. Encourage encouraging ourselves. Uh, encouraging uh, all of us to uh, keep our focus and to persevere uh, no matter what's going on in the world. No matter what's going on in our own life, no matter what's going on in, in uh, among God's people in the church, uh, but to uh, to keep us uh, encouraged at moving forward, and and so very often we do that by talking about biblical principles that we learn, uh, principles that we that we see enacted in Scripture, principles that we see enacted in individual people's life, uh, as you mentioned that we did uh, pretty much the whole first season where we would look at a text, and then we would also look at an individual's life. And, and then just kind of giving people some, some basic, uh, basic principles and tools that they can hold on to uh, in those moments that they feel like, um, man, how do, I, how do I persevere in the midst of this one? 
Uh, I made it through last time, but uh, this is this was a lot bigger, a lot more difficult, or difficult maybe not even bigger, but difficult in a different way. Sometimes it's the it's the smaller things that really mess us up. Sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, without any further ado, let's get to our text and encourage our listeners to persevere. Oh, oh, that's right. We were going to actually start a new tool today. <laughs> we're we? no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm teasing Joe a little bit there. So, um, but yeah, actually. Uh, I want us to really talk about this principle that I that I learned when I was a teenager going through some very difficult times. And and it's a principle that really has stuck with me through the years. And as I said a little bit ago, it's probably my number one go-to thing uh, in, in the most trying moments of my life. And that's, that's this truth that is so crucial. And here it is. Are you ready for it, Joe? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that didn't sound too... Mm-hmm. That oh, didn't oh sound, I'm ready for it. I'm, I, ready I, I'm for trying it. to build this up, you know, so help me out here now. Well, what is it, man? <laughs> Come on, spit it out. Don't hold uh, back the good news. All right, so here's the principle. Jesus is coming again. Ooh. <laughs> That's uh, a good one. Now, now listen, guys. Um, uh, there have been different times in uh, church history and different times in my lifetime uh, where the church has emphasized the coming of Jesus or not emphasized the coming of Jesus. Um, there have been times where it seems like uh, everywhere you turn, people are talking about that, and uh, other times where nobody really wants to talk about it. And and I think sometimes uh, people have reacted to, if you go through a period of time of everybody talking about the Lord's return, people kind of sometimes react to that in kind of a pendulum swing uh, where they would uh, come to the other side and say, listen, we're so focused on Jesus' coming that we're missing today. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is throughout Scripture, Joe, uh, when the Bible speaks of Jesus' return, it actually is not just about the future. It is always about motivation for today. And we're, Absolutely. Go- we're actually going to see that in three different texts over, over the next few weeks. Uh, as we talk about that, and we're going to see the connection uh, to the the fact of Jesus's future return to the earth. Uh, whether we're talking about uh, the rapture of Him coming in the clouds to receive His His people, or when we're talking about um, uh, His physical return to the earth, throughout Scripture and all of those, the whole point is that victory's coming. And so knowing that, you can persevere today, uh, knowing that uh, the victory's already been won and things are not going to be like they are right now forever. There is coming a moment where everything is going to change, and uh, that, that gives us hope. Uh, it gives us courage, and it gives us strength uh, to keep going. And so the first text I want to look at is actually um, on the last night that Jesus spent with his disciples. Um, As we go to the Gospel of John and chapter 14, um, we're going to just be looking at the first few verses of this chapter. And uh, just for a little bit of background here, um, John treats the last night of Jesus and his disciples together before his crucifixion differently than uh, the Synoptic Gospels, different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke really focus on on uh, the Lord's Supper uh, being a part of what happens in the upper room. Uh, but John 
actually most of his focus, he actually doesn't refer to the supper too much. He certainly doesn't give us the details of the bread and the, and the uh, fruit of the vine. But rather what he really focuses on is Jesus washes their feet and then uh, having served them that way, Jesus tells them that he's going to serve them by giving his life. And then he spends um, three chapters, chapter 14, 15, 16, kind of as a final instruction time to them, giving them important words that they needed to remember. And then, of course, chapter 17, he prays for them. Uh, but in, in chapter 14, the, the first verse, he, he knows that they are about to experience um, a real trial. Uh, he knows it's going to knock them off their feet. Uh, in fact, in fact he, he, in Luke, Luke records for us that he actually looked at Peter and said, uh, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you, <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to allow it. Um, during this time, you're going to be sifted. Uh, we know that, that uh, Jesus, uh, and several of the Gospels point out, that Jesus uh, predicted Peter's uh, betrayal. Uh, but, but he gets very specific in Luke to say, and Satan has desired to sift you. Uh, and, and then, of course, he gives hope in that and says, when you return, um, you know, I, I'll see you again in Galilee. But Jesus knew that they were going to be scattered. He knew they were going to be in fear. Uh, he knew that, um, that most of them would be in hiding. Uh, he knew the, um, the worry, concern for their own life, as well as the grief of, of his death uh, would have upon them. Uh, their hopes, their dreams, their plans were all about to be dashed. And uh, he knew that. But he also knew that it was necessary for them to actually have abundant life, uh, that, that the, his death on the cross was not just a demonstration of his love. It was, it was more than that. It was that, but it was more than that. It was a necessity for us to be saved. He had to mm -hmm. actually physically die in our place. Uh, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Exactly. And so, so he knew that on the other side, they would be better off, but he also wasn't just flippantly saying that. Uh, he did tell them that, but he didn't just flippantly tell them that because he, he felt their pain. He understood that this was going to be a very difficult time. And so as we come to chapter, chapter 14, the first six verses in that paragraph, Jesus is trying to prepare them uh, to be able to persevere uh, in the midst of the, the dark days that they're about to face. Wait, and, wait, wait, wait. Uh, President Ballard. Yes. Are you telling me we're going to talk about Jesus coming back and we're not talking about the last part of chapter 14 today? No, we're not. We're not. We're actually talking about just the first first six verses. That's it. Oh, man, I was so excited. Well... Sorry to disappoint you there, <laughs> but we're only talking about the first six verses today because, okay. because our podcast is only about 30, 30 to 40 minutes. So that's, that's you know, true. When I cover that's the whole I, I'm sorry. I'm plus, sorry. I, I, I got ahead. Plus, you know, you took us on a five minute jaunt there, uh, uh I beforehand, did. So, so I we're did only going these first six verses. All right. But Jesus, Jesus is concerned about where they are and where what he knows they're about to go through. And so he gives them this word, and it begins there with verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. 
you believe in God, believe also in me. So the first thing that he that he does is he gives them this this command or or we might say a precept to listen, don't don't let your heart be agitated. Um, that word troubled, that's literally what it means. It, it means agitated. Um, Joe, Joe, when I was growing up, um, my mother never had a automatic washer. Uh, for a long time, you know, she used a, uh, a washboard. I don't know if you, you've probably seen those at antique stores. But, but, then, but then we got this washer that actually you plug into the you, – you, you can plug it in. And uh, you filled it up with water, and, and you put the soap in, you put the clothes in, and it had this little button on the front, and you'd pull that button out, not push it in. You'd pull it out, and the agitator in the middle would just start shaking the clothes, uh, and, and, and it would agitate. And I remember as a kid, I, I liked looking down in there and just watching it. I thought it was funny to watch it shake up those clothes. And it, it agitated and then when the clothes were done, you'd push the button in, it'd stop, you'd pull them all out, and then you'd run it through this ringer and get all the water out you could and then go hang them on the clothesline. Uh, but, uh, but that process of that agitator just fascinated me as a kid. I would just look at it, and, and I'd see it shake it up. And I, I remember as a teenager going through some very difficult days, and, and all of a sudden one day it just hit me that it felt like Somebody had taken that agitator out of our old washing machine and stuck it down inside of me and pulled out Ooh. the button. And, yeah. and it felt like that, that my stomach was agitated, my, my chest was agitated, my whole life was agitated, and, and somehow it was even agitating my brain. And I couldn't think mm-hmm. about anything except for all of the troubles, all the problems, all the difficulties that were coming in. And I think that's a common experience for, for people in life when we're going through troubles. And Jesus specifically uses a term that that captures that 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 captures the the essence of this term. It's like somebody's turned on the agitator in your life, and everything is all jumbled up and shaken, and you just you, you can't feel, you can't think. Um, everything you do feel is just agitation. Everything you think is just like, man, I can't, I can't. I can't put anything in a box. I can't calm down my thoughts. It's just all this this anxiety and agitation taking place. Mm-hmm. And and in the midst of that, knowing that's the feelings we're, we're going to go through, the thoughts that are going to cram into their minds uh, when Jesus is betrayed, arrested, and, and hanging on a cross, he says, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, right. Uh, how How can we do that? And he begins to give us the answer in verse 1. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Mm-hmm. He says, listen, you, you, you believe in God. You, you trust God. He said, trust me. Uh, trust me that it's going to be okay. And, you know, the opposite of anxiety and agitation is trust. Um, and and I've, I've found in my own life that that's where it starts for me is is I have all this anxiety, I have all this stuff, uh, I have, it feels like somebody's turned on the agitator button, and then all of a sudden as I, as I begin to think through that, I realize, okay, even in this you need to trust. You need to trust God, you need to trust Jesus. He's going to, he, he sees this, he knows it, just trust him. And, and then he follows up 
having said that, with, with this promise that is kind of the focus of what I want to talk about today, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. So, so he begins the paragraph by, by giving us this precept of don't let yourself be agitated. Trust me. He ends with, here's the path to, to a relationship with me, to the Father's house, to, to a home in heaven that's eternal. And that path is, is Jesus. It's trusting Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he begins and ends with this concept of trusting him. And in the middle, he gives this promise of, hey, in my Father's house, there's many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. Now, here's the thing, Joe. This text does not at all tell us when Jesus is coming. It doesn't hmm. tell us the details of how he's coming. There are other texts that talks about him coming in the clouds and uh, and uh, the believers being caught up to him. There's there's other texts that talk about a, a separate time when Jesus will physically return to the earth. Um, but this text doesn't talk about any of that. It doesn't tell, tell us when. It doesn't tell us how. It doesn't say any of that stuff. But what it does is it focuses on the fact of in the midst of this this horrible hard trial that you're about to go through i want you to remember i'm coming back for you um i'm not going to leave you alone and in that president about you know i've always um well you know that i look forward to the coming of christ and uh, we've talked about it often Um, but i think part of the ambiguity of christ's promise to his return um as to when is, is one of God's ways of creating in us a patience and, a, and a, an earnest expectation. Because uh, if, he, if he paved, if he said, I'll be back in 50 years, well, it'd be pretty easy to say, all right, well, whatever, you know. But because he says, I'm coming, watch for it, we, we wait in a different way. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, and also, by the way, that helps us with, uh, with the whole perseverance issue. Uh, on a couple fronts, um, as you were talking there, Joe, it made me think of, of two ways it helps us. Number one, you know, again, if we knew it was sometime way off in the future, um, we, we might be tempted to say, well, I can do whatever I want right now. I'll get right with God, you know, and, and really get serious about following him, you know, a month before he comes. Uh, but on the flip side, mm-hmm. uh, when we are following him and we're serving him faithfully and things are going hard, uh, not knowing uh, really when, but knowing he will, gives more hope than if I say, say I knew, say I was, say I was in Peter's position on this day. If, if I knew it was going to be over 2,000 years or about 2,000 years or, or at least, ni- least 2,000 and, and uh, 
you know, a few teen years, um, <laughs> that uh, if I knew it was going to be that long, then then it might not give me the hope in the midst of it, you know, that I need. Right. But knowing that he is coming back and not knowing when gives us strength and, and hope uh, for the moment. And, and particularly the way Jesus talks about his return in this text is something that uh, probably is encouraging to us today as Gentiles, but probably um, there's a depth to this that we may not fully grasp um, because he couches it in language that was very familiar to the people of the first century, particularly the Jewish people of the first century. So the the people in the first century, Jewish people, uh, actually prior to the first century and, and certainly in Jesus' day, this is this is couched in wedding language. Um, so so our engagements and our weddings are, are far different as Gentiles always have been, but uh, far different also uh, for many Jews today than they were back then. So in uh, in biblical days, when a when a man and woman became engaged, they were legally married though they could not live together. Uh, betrothal was is much more serious. Uh, than most people take engagement today. So it was actually, you were legally bound to one another, and Joe, uh, you couldn't actually uh, get out of that engagement without a legal divorce. Um, And so you may remember Joseph uh, uh, contemplating what to do about Mary when he found out she was with Mm -hmm. child. Um, Because, and they were not technically married yet. Their marriage had not been consummated. They were betrothed. She was his betrothed wife. So let me kind of describe what that happened. Uh, a man and, and uh, uh, his family would would arrange with uh, this his bride-to-be and her family uh, that they would be married, and they would have a ceremony, and uh, they would be legally bound. And then the man would go to his father's property that his father owned, mm-hmm. and uh, his father would give him a portion of his property— and he would he would build a place for his wife. Uh, sometimes it was a separate building, and sometimes like building a house on your dad's homestead, and sometimes it was just adding on to the already existing home that was there, adding adding rooms for our family onto the home. But in either and it was case, in that moment we realized why Gentile marriages are different. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a whole lot of difference about it. But whether it is a <laughs> add-on to the home, uh, kind of like an in-law apartment in reverse, <laughs> or Woo! or whether or whether it is a separate home on the property, either way, he would leave. And he would go there, and they would not see each other until he had finished. Uh, he would that that would be it. I mean, he would be working on it. Typically, uh, it appears that most of the time it took somewhere between nine months and a year uh, for him to prepare everything. And he would go and he would build the house, or he would build onto a house. He would get it all set. He would get the furniture, whatever furniture they were going to have. He, I mean, he would he would just get it all ready. 
And then when it was ready, unannounced, without uh, nobody knowing when it would be, all of a sudden it would be done. And when it was done, typically, if his father was still alive, his father would see it and approve it, and his father would say, son, it's ready, uh, you can go get your bride. And uh, so when it was ready, he would go get his bride, and, and the family would come, and on his way to the bride's house, uh, very often neighbors would join in the wedding march, and they would all go to the bride's house, and uh, they would they would have a uh, celebration, uh, a, a, a meal, and uh, then their marriage would be consummated, and they would live together uh, from that point forward. And so that was their, their, uh, the typical Jewish wedding, and that's the way Jesus describes this. Uh, he says, I am going home mm. to my father's house, and there, there's much room there is the point he's making, and I am going to prepare a place for you. Now, some have discussed whether it's uh, separate mansions or add-on rooms, and uh, <clears throat> so we don't uh, know exactly what that's going to look like. But the point is that he's making is I am going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. And just like when it's all done and the father approves and says, everything's ready, go get your bride. That day is going to come when my father's going to say, today's the time, uh, go get your followers. And he said, I am coming back for all of you who have trusted me. Now, mm -hmm. Joe, the perseverance of that is found in the context. Uh, Jesus is telling them this ahead so that the difficult moments they're about to experience, where they're going to feel like we thought Jesus was, was going to overthrow Rome and make us his, his chief leaders alongside him, and all of our hopes and dreams are dashed, all of our desires are over, uh, Jesus is nowhere to be found. You know, he's, he's, he's dead. His body's laying in a tomb. Uh, there's no hope for anything. We've wasted the last three and a half years of our life. All of the, the crazy thoughts that would come into their head in the midst of that trial, he's telling them ahead, listen, hold on to this truth. I'm coming back, and it will help you to persevere. Mm. And, and Joe, in the midst of the, the most difficult days that we face, if we will stop, push the agitation button on that old washing machine in, and, and just stop and focus on Jesus, trust him, and remember his promise that this is not going to last forever. He's coming back for us, and it's going to be a glorious experience. There's going to be a wonderful wedding feast. It's going to be an eternity without pain and sorrow and death. Uh, man, that gives us hope and helps us to persevere and to mm. keep our focus on him in the midst of, our, of the trials we face. It certainly does, President Ballard. And uh, I don't know about you, but that makes me just say, hurry up. Come, <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> well, Joe, um, you're in good company. Um, because uh, that's, the way the, uh, that's the way the Bible ends. Uh, John, in the Revelation, after describing all of this, uh, the last thing that he hears from Jesus is, Behold, I come quickly, so when he's mm -hmm. coming, it's going to be quick. And uh, John's response was, Even so, come Lord Jesus right now. 
And uh, certainly that's, that uh, feeling has been echoed by believers through the ages. And one of these days, and it could be sooner than we think, uh, the father will look to the son and say, son, everything's ready. Uh, go get your followers, and he'll come back for us. Mm. President Ballard, I, I, I do want to ask you on a – we're going to go a little long today. I think the, the next three, uh, we're going to go a little long because you and I both get so excited about this topic. But are you going to um, go to the last chapter or last section of John 14 in this series? Um, we'll talk about it. Okay. I'm not going to go there today. We'll talk about it. All right. I'm sorry, folks. I am, I am impatient, uh, but I am excited. Persevere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, President Ballard, you did say something in there, and I think I want to circle back to it for our listener. Anxiety and agitation is the opposite of trust. Mm. We Absolutely. are so frequently confronted in, in our world and in our day and age that anxiety and agitation reveal that you care. Mm. But in reality, trust in God reveals that you care more deeply about anything than anybody. Mm. Um, and, and we need to be mindful of that as Christians, and we need to persevere in realizing my anxiety and my agitation needs to be laid at the feet of Jesus Christ, and I need to pick up trust in Him. And he empowers me to do that. He, he gives me the strength to do that. And his promises like this make it even more possible. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I thought you were doing your rap up there, man. <laughs> I, I was thinking about it, but I didn't want to say the last thing. <laughs> okay, anyway. We are so thankful, uh, President Ballard, for this uh, series. I'm thankful for it already. I think our listeners are going to love it. Uh, We are thankful for our listeners, too, that they uh, faithfully tune in. If you have questions or want to know more about Northeastern Baptist College, you can visit us online at nebcvt.org. If you would like to send in a question for the Lion's Den next week or in the future, you can email us at perspectivesonperseverance at nebcvt.org. We are so thankful that we rejoice with you that our Savior is returning. And no matter what today may bring, persevere and have a great day in Jesus. From the heart of the Northeast, for the hearts of the world, we will persevere as soldiers to the right or left.